welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey everyone, as we started last week, if you haven't already heard it, we started a mini-series in light of 10 years as a local church. We started a mini-series called 10 Years Down, and we, because of the nature of how long it was, um, as we just, you know, kind of uncover 10 lessons, revelations, confessions over the last 10 years, we broke it into two parts. And so last week was the first part. This week is the second part. So I hope if you haven't listened to last week, you got to listen to it because it's not going to make as much, I mean, it'll make sense, but it'll make as much sense. So go back and listen to it. But uh, if you have, get ready, strap on your seatbelt. We're diving into the next point, next part of this uh, of this series. And I know it's just going to impact your leadership in a powerful way. And so lean in, receive, open up your heart, and let God speak to you today. Number four, number four, do not be imprisoned to your role. One of the most inspiring leaders that I have to this day uh, that I've, that I don't, I don't have this leader. Let me rephrase that. One of the most inspiring leaders to me um, that I've always watched from a distance, never even met them in person, and I, I haven't had the chance, is T.D. Jakes. He's an entrepreneur, he's a producer, he's a pastor, he's a businessman, he's all these things. And I just love how he's been able to navigate. He's a, he's a, a, a renowned voice in both secular and unsecular and the church arena, or a secular and the church arena. He's a renowned voice on all fronts and a respected one at that. An incredible preacher, if you've never heard him, or teacher, and uh, an incredible businessman, and just an inspiring individual. And he's always been someone that's never looked or appeared to be imprisoned in one specific role. And that's always inspired me. Because I always remember, we need to remember to look beyond our current role and remember to see our calling. Calling and role are two different things. Very important we understand this. Your role is your current responsibility. Your calling is your whole life's purpose. Your role is your current responsibility and your calling is your whole life's purpose. It's very important that we understand the difference between the two because roles always change, but calling doesn't change. Your calling is fitting in and propelling whatever role it is in within every role that you do in life. Your role may change 10 times in your life, 30 times in your life, but your calling never changes. It means in, in, in the kingdom, it's very simple, loving God and loving people. That is your calling. And however you do that, in whatever role you are given, whatever responsibility that you have, you are called to love God and love people, making his name known. This never changes, but we often confuse our role with our calling. And uh, like I said, it, it, it does change the roles, but the spiritual calling in a spiritual sense never changes changes. And for me, for the last 10 years as a lead pastor, because I started out not as a pastor. I thought never thought I was going to be a lead pastor. I was an itinerant speaker. I was a traveling itinerant speaker. And 
at one point in my life, I thought that's all I would ever do is travel and be an itinerant speaker. I would develop schools, train people, bring them onto the street, and that's what I would do. But as you grow and as you go, your role and responsibilities begin to change. They begin to morph. Opportunity begins to come. Things begin to swell. Platform begins to expand and territory begins to expand and things begin to shift. And I shifted also. One of the big shifts in my life was into a lead pastoral role. But I have done in the last 10 years, the last 10 years of lead pastoring, I've done my best, uh, my, my, my best to, uh, whether, whether we were a big church or now a smaller church community, because we've had these different, these swings in our church community, to foster an environment within our organization and church community that I am not looked at like a typical, and I want to say this with grace, mm. uh, old school church pastor, as many would expect, to perform everyone's wedding, to conduct every funeral, to do every hospital visit, meet with everyone one-on-one -on -one at some point, but more of an apostolic leader and fostering an expectation that leaders around me that we raise up, that we work with, and team around me that we work with can be empowered to also do these things. And I've done my best over the last 10 years to foster that environment. And I don't think, and I've never felt like in our time leading our own community that there has been this unhealthy expectation. Yeah, there's moments of it, but there hasn't been that unhealthy, or I wanna say unhealthy because sometimes in an old school church dynamic and model, it's like the one pastor, he does everything. Like he does the media, he does the hospital, he does everything. And this is how, this is why people don't last long. This is why they don't fight the good fight well. They don't end well. They don't hit, they don't end the race. They, they, they stop and they, they die during it because that's just a death sentence. And so, you know, for me, like I've started small businesses over the years. I got my real estate license. Like I'm a realtor. Like I have always said to God, God, I just want to do whatever you've, you, you, I want to do and I want to expand and I want to do whatever you want me to do, no matter how much it doesn't at the moment make sense to me. And I'm going to position myself. Whether or not it's my main thing, I, I know my calling. I know my calling to teach, to preach. I know my calling to, 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 to disciple people. I know my calling to mentor. I know my calling to develop schools of, and training in the super. Like I know my calling. And however that calling manifests in various roles in my life, I know it will. And I know it's what I'm called to do. Number five, write this down. Expect loss and expect gain all at the same time. Expect loss and expect gain all at the same time. Why? Because if you only expect gain, you will be derailed and depressed when you experience loss. If all you think is that you're going to have gain after gain after gain after gain and never have any loss, you're going to be very discouraged and very depressed when that happens because loss is inevitable. It always will happen. And so although the kingdom is all about fruit and growing fruit and advancing, we can't forget that sometimes to grow the fruit, there needs to be a pruning, i.e. there needs to be a loss. There are three types of loss within this context that I'm talking about, okay? And number one is loss needed for growth. There is a pruning that happens, that has to happen. We see this in John 15, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit takes away and every branch that continues to bear fruit, he, listen to this, he repeatedly prunes, Jesus, the Father, repeatedly prunes over and over again so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. If you want the richer, finer fruit, the more fruit, if you want the gain, sometimes you have to embrace the loss, the pruning. 
what feels like a step back so that you can step forward. So three types of loss. One, loss needed for growth, this pruning. Number two, loss provoked because of a mistake. You may have made a mistake, made an error, miscommunicated something, and you had a loss in your business, loss of sale, loss of, uh, you know, I don't know what it is for you. It could be in a church context. You failed to communicate something. There was a fallout. You made a mistake. Something happened. You didn't mean for it to happen. It wasn't intentional, but it was a mistake. And now you're get you're re, you're reaping the consequences of that mistake. And of course, the third one, a loss that happens because of sin, because of immorality, because of bad choices that you continue to make. There is loss in your life. Three types of loss. But a healthy mindset. A healthy mindset is to expect both loss and gain from a positive perspective. A positive loss and a positive gain. A healthy mindset says, okay, to get gain, I'm going to experience loss. There's going to be change. There's going to be things that shed off of my life if I'm going to experience gain. We will either learn from the loss or be embittered by it. Write that down. We will either learn from the loss or be embittered by it. There was seasons of our journey in the last 10 years where we've experienced great loss on lots of levels on lots of levels, and it's painful. Loss is painful. 2013, God spoke to me so clear and said, Sean, you're about to move into the the greatest season of loss you've ever, up up until this point, you've experienced, but it would be the greatest preparation for gain, and it happened. It manifested. I remember. I remember what happened over the next year and a half. It was a very, very, very hard two years, year and a half, two years after that, and then that was the propelling for some of the greatest gains. But then we had more loss after that. And we've been in, we were, you're all, you always swing between loss and gain. Now, I'm not saying that, like, when I, when I share my story, it's going to look different than your story. There is loss that happens that you will never quite understand why until you come through it. And there's loss that will happen where you will see, okay, this is good. I see how this is good. Most of the time, we have a hard time seeing how any loss is good when it's happening until we come through it, until we come through it. Something that has been deeply set in the very core of my heart as a leader is, in all of this, is depth is better than numbers. And I speak about this because some of the loss that we've experienced over the years as a church community is the loss of numbers. You know, we we lost our building, went mobile, lost hundreds and hundreds of people. We had 13 venues in three years. Nobody wants to come. Um, at least most people don't want to come to a place that's not consistent with their location. And we dealt with this and it was challenging and it was really hard. And, and over the years, like that would have, that really took a toll on my psyche. It really did. Like, are we missing it? Something's wrong with us. Like, why can't we get a venue that's consistent? Like we've been trying to buy a building for 10 years. Like, why is this not working? You know? And, uh, I've come to the conclusion in the midst of this, expecting loss and expecting gain all at the same time, holding these two together at the same time, that in the end, depth is better than numbers. And so if I'm going to have a smaller church in this season, if we're going to be a smaller community, okay, God, help us to see the value in that. And I would rather have a small church with big people than a big church with small people. And this is what I've sort of learned in the last 10 years of loss and change. Like, God, I just want big people. I want to be able to raise up big people. I want to invest in big people that want to take your kingdom, that want to do the thing that God's called them to do, to preach your gospel, to bring the love of Jesus everywhere they go. I want to do what you've called me to do well with the community you've entrusted me with and raise up and see big people. That's my heart. 
Number six, number six, you are not immune or invincible to hurt, rejection, pain, and betrayal. Now, this is a little longer. We're going to 10 here. So don't hold hold on with me right now. I didn't know how long this was gonna go, um, but I tried to, I wanna do 10 for 10 years. So please track with me. We're at about 47 minutes now, or somewhere in there, and uh, or maybe it's 45 minutes, but uh, I, I stay with me, okay? We're number six. You are not immune or invincible to hurt, rejection, pain, and betrayal. And I, I learned this very quick because I would sit with, in the beginning of my ministry days, in my green days, with weathered, pained, hurt ministers a lot back in green rooms, like hundreds of green room moments, people that I respected, that I would see from sort of the, you know, as an onlooker, big platforms, I'd invite them in, bring them in, or I'd be associated with them somehow, have these deep conversations, and I would feel the pain, I would feel the hurt, I would feel the rejection on them, I would feel the all the betrayal that they went through, and the weathered nature of their leadership. And I would say to myself, like, I'm never gonna be that. Like, I'm gonna learn from this, and I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna experience that. Like, I'm, I literally had a thought at one point. I remember thinking this, like, in the very beginning of my ministry days, like, I'm invincible to, and immune to a hurt, rejection, pain, and betrayal. Like, I'm just gonna, it's not gonna, it won't even touch me. Like, it might try to touch me, but it won't affect me. And uh, you learn very quickly that's just not uh, a realistic even a God-realistic expectation. Like Jesus, it's not even a biblical expectation. It was like so unbiblical because like Jesus said, they hated me, they're gonna hate you. They rejected me, they're gonna reject you. I mean, Jesus promised all these things. Like you will be betrayed. Like these things will happen and there will be sorrow and there will be pain and you'll go through it. You'll wanna give up, you'll wanna quit. And uh, I learned just very quickly that this is not something that you can escape from. Like never say Never. And so we need to, so I had a young guy recently, you know, I was at a conference not too long ago speaking and they were asking me questions while they were driving me around this one individual. He said, what, what would you say to a, a someone that's like young, that, you know, is called to be in some for, sort of full-time ministry, even traveling ministry? And he said, what's, what's what, one of the biggest pieces of advice you would say to someone young going into this space? And I said, guard your heart. Guard your heart. One of the greatest things that you can do is to protect your heart. Because out of the heart, the Bible says, flows all the issues of life. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. You will get hit. You will get hurt. You will go through pain. But you're responsible for for what comes out of you as a response of what comes after you or against you. So guard your heart. Don't let those things come out and poison the well in your life poison the pure ministry that God's called you to do. Don't don't let it happen. Guard your heart. Guard your heart because in the end, your acceptance never comes from, and your calling never came from people. So your calling's not gonna continue because of people. Your calling came because of God gave it to you. Your acceptance that you wanna live from cannot be an acceptance from people has to be an acceptance that you know you're accepted by God. And that's why God has called you. And that we are living for an audience of one. One of the greatest ways that we can overcome and move through these painful, hurting, rejection, betrayal type moments 
is to remember that in the end, we're living for an audience of one. And if we live for the praises of people, you've heard it said before, you will die by their criticism. If you live for the acceptance that comes from people and not from the acceptance that God gives you, which is why he's called you, you will die when they criticize you. You'll be taken out. And I've watched so many believers get taken out by criticism because they were living for the praise of those same people that criticized them. Relationships break apart. Ministries break down. Churches, businesses, employee relations. So many things happen as a result of everyone trying to pine for everyone else's acceptance. When if we can learn to live for an audience of one and that we are accepted first and foremost by God himself, that when people reject me, when people criticize me, I am able to move through it and grow from it. I'm not saying reject it. Grow from it so that we come out stronger on the other side. Living by this makes it way easier to handle all these things that I'm talking about. And uh, I just think that, yeah, this is, so, this is so heavy. This is a heavy one for me because I think that so many people quit prematurely because they don't, they don't guard their heart from these things. Now, important note, when these, when these things happen and you go through hurt, pain, rejection, betrayal, it doesn't mean you're a bad leader because this is a huge, this is the, one of the ways the enemy tries to get you. These things are happening to you. I know for me, this is what I, this is my internal dialogue. Well, something must be wrong with me. And listen, I've always grown from every single time I've experienced one of these things. Because I choose to first, you know, ask my wife, people around me that are close to me. I'm really hard on myself naturally. My first response always is, okay, what's wrong with me? What can I do to change? And I've grown so much from moments like these. I've grown so much from some of the greatest betrayals in my life, painful moments in my life. I've grown so much and I thank God for those people and those situations in my life that have grown me. I remember there was an issue in 2013 that took place in 14, took place that I grew so much from and I'm thankful and it was one of the most painful experiences I've ever experienced up until that time. And I look back and I'm like, man, because I, number one, I had good people around me, but because I kept going back to God, you've called me to this. You've called me to do this. You've accepted me. So if there's a rejection happening, a pain point happening, a hurt happening, a betrayal happening, I must be able to get through this because you knew this was gonna happen. And that brings me peace. But there was times when I'd go to a, through a place where I'm just like, I'm a bad leader. Like I just, I suck, you know? And all of you have had this. You have a you know, employee quit on you in your business and they're one of your best employees and they quit on you. You're like, what did I do wrong? Hopefully that's your first response, but don't stay there because sometimes it's not about you. Sometimes it is. I don't, don't, we can't neglect the what if and what could be, but oftentimes it's not just about that. People live their life, people do their thing and they choose and make decisions and you're not responsible for those decisions, you're responsible for your responses. But just because all these things happen does not make you a bad leader. I read this book not too long ago and the whole premise was it's not just about good leadership, it's about good followership. Because if all of these things were a reflection of how bad the leader was, okay, well, look at the leader's track record. This person left, this person left, all these different things. Because I've had people say to me like, oh, Sean, you must be a horrible leader because look at, look at this, look at this thing. But this is the thing, this is, this is biblical in nature. You see this all throughout scripture. You see it in the beginning. God created man in perfection, 
absolute perfection. And man chose to reject God. Did God make a mistake? No. People are human. People make choices. Adam and Eve chose in the garden, in perfection, before sin was ever even in the camp. Man chose to be independent from God and reject God's command. Does that make God a bad creator and a bad leader? No. We chose to make a decision out of free will. So it's not just about the leader. This is where we get our eyes off of track. And if it's just about the leader only, we don't take responsibility on ourselves. And I'm talking about myself as somebody who's not been a leader and who is a leader. On both sides of the coin, we have to work and navigate this through. Jesus had 12 disciples that he invested his life into. Every single one of them, when he died, didn't get it fully and all went back to their old lifestyle. His right-hand man, uh, Peter, uh, denied him three times. Denied him three times. Judas, his right-hand financial guy, betrayed him. It was actually that betrayal that put him on a cross. Does that make Jesus a bad leader? No. Jesus actually knew this was all going to happen, first of all, but he actually, all those things are used in the process of our calling and purpose. And so you could look back at all the crazy things that's happened to you and you can say, thank God for all these things. It's made me a better person. It's not just about leadership. It's also about followership. And uh, I think that we need, we need more of this to free ourselves from the pain of putting everything on our shoulders and saying, it's all me, it's all me. Yeah, it's you in part, but it's not only you and always you. Number seven, we're almost done. Hang in there with me. Hope this is good. Choose your battles, fights, and assignments carefully. Not every current issue is your battle. Not every fight that is picked is your fight to fight. Not every assignment that is presented to you is an assignment from God. Social media is a digital war zone full of ridiculous and unproductive and unvaluable battles. And we need to steer clear and make sure that the battles that we fight, that we get into, are the battles that he wants us to get into. That the assignments that, that we are taking on are the assignments that God has for us. That the fights that God's called us to fight are the fights that he wants for us. Social, the social, like I said, the social media army wants you as a leader to respond to all of their attacks, accusations, and opposing opinions. But my encouragement is to be led by the spirit as to which ones you are called to. Because unfortunately, and this is the reality of today's world we live in, if you are silent, it appears you are scared or hiding something. And if you are allowed, everything gets twisted. And just because you don't make a statement doesn't mean you don't have a stance. And this is so important as we navigate these times that we're in is that we have to live from a place of being led by the Spirit so we know, okay, well, this is my battle, this is my fight, this is my assignment. And everything else can be put on the back burner. I don't need to engage every fight. I don't need to engage every battle to make myself feel good, to exhaust myself. I'm literally then becoming imprisoned, like I said in one of the other points, to a role that I don't even have. I'm being imprisoned to everybody else's expectation of me. That's not even what God's expectation is of me. So make sure you find your fight. Make sure you find your battle. Make sure you find your assignment. Number eight, I'm only a steward of what God has entrusted me with. I am not the owner. Huge revelation. Uh, in the last uh, 10 years. I'm only a steward of what God has entrusted me with. I am not the owner. And if I'm not the owner, I can fully trust him with the outcomes. There are breakthroughs that I've experienced in my leadership 
that only happened after I said God, and not that I don't care anymore, but it's like I'm not striving to care anymore like I used to. I am not exhausting, over-exhausting myself to care like I used to. I'm just fully beginning to trust because I'm only a steward. I am not the owner of this thing. And I'm talking about his calling over our lives, his mission. You know, in the church context, it's his house, it's his church, it's his people. They're not my people. You know, they're not my, it's not my church. It's not my house, it's God's house. So God, whatever you want from it, whatever you want with it, don't carry yourself, listen to this, don't carry yourself into striving and burnout. In other words, don't care so much about something outside of the grace capacity God wants you to care to the place where you burn out and you burn out and you and, and you want to quit. Don't, don't carry yourself into striving and burnout. Psalms 127 verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers, the builders labor in vain. That word vain means literally uselessness. <laughs> there is uselessness. If you're striving, you're overcaring, you're trying to make it work, you're going to be disappointed. And your labor ends up being labor in vain. It's the Lord that's going to build it. And if he does, it's going to succeed. It's going to work. Number nine, the issues people say they have, I like this one, are not, I've learned this over the years, leadership lesson. Hope something, someone out there is getting something from this. The issues people say that they have are not usually the real issue. And this, this often comes with like changes that you want to make. I've heard all, over the years, like, I, you know, you hear so much, we should do this, Sean, we should do this, we should do that. And often some of the greatest things that we've done because somebody suggested that we should do this, that we weren't doing it before. We do it and it's awesome. But sometimes what ends up happening is you start to try to appease all, everybody's opinion, everybody's preference, everyone's idea. And you begin to sacrifice the assignment over what God's called you to, God's called your team to, your leadership to. And if you make changes only for the people and not because you believe it's God-centered, you will most likely live in regret. And I've done a lot of this over the years where I, I we've made changes simply because, okay, everyone's wanting this to happen. I don't feel like it should happen. A few of us don't feel like it should happen. It's kind of a disagreement, but we'll just try it. And we do it, we waste time, we waste effort, and we realize, you know what? That was a mistake. We shouldn't have done it that way. You should change this or that, or we don't like this or that, or if you change this, we're all in. And you begin you begin to literally compromise everything that you are just to appease people. Don't do it. Be the authentic, like I said, a version of you. Because often the issues people say they have with certain things aren't really the issues in the end. They may have more of a critical spirit by nature, or maybe they just have lost trust in the process, in leadership, in the church, uh, already, and so they're just nitpicking, and even if you do all the things they want you to do, they're not even in anyways, and they're gonna be gone probably within like the next couple months, and I've learned this over the years. I've sat in so many meetings over the years, and, and you know, people will bring up all these things, well, we don't do this, and you don't do this, and we don't do this, and you said this, and you preached this, and in the end, like, hey, do, do you trust that God has called you here? Like, are you okay being here still? Like, do you trust your community? Well, no. Well, this is the thing. So in the end, at the core of everything, the real issue is you just lost trust in the community at large. And maybe it's it's time. Maybe you need a change. Maybe you need a fresh start. I don't know. Maybe you need to work through it. I mean, this is not a marriage. So there's no, there's no you know, covenant relationship here in, in, that, in that regard. Like, you don't have to work through this. You can. You get to. Hopefully you do. 
but you you don't have to. Where in marriage covenant, like it's like you there's this extra like expectation that you're gonna work through in sickness and in health until death do us part. Well, that covenant statement is not over, you know, a church community, so to speak. So, uh, but often this is what I've learned. It's it's not always the real issue. The issues that people say. They have, you're responsible for your actions and not anyone else's. Number 10, last point, you will know who your real tribe is when crisis hits. You will know who your real tribe is when crisis hits. We've had lots of moments in life where we've been in crisis. Michelle and I have been in crisis. Um, Michelle, you know, almost died in 2014, so to speak. She was second to the highest ranked emergency in all the general hospital. Um, and, uh, you know, next to a guy who's next to a guy whose intestines exploded. And, um, you know, we were in crisis and we really saw who our tribe was in that season, who rose to the occasion and, uh, who our real friends were and who the people that really cared about our lives in a, in a personal way, not just in a, in a ministerial way. And it was really revealing. And, um, this is what happens though. You, you really see who your tribe is when crisis happens. And those are the people you want to stick with. Very important. And hopefully your community, there is sub-communities often in a church community. Hopefully your community, whatever community you're part of, you're part of our community or someone else's community. Uh, you know, there's sub-communities. And hopefully you find even a sub-community within that community of people that that rise to the occasion when you are in crisis and have your back. And that you find that inner circle that you need. And and find your tribe. And, and don't... This is... And I, I kind of connect it to this because I find like my tribe is also like the leaders that I have around my life, team I have around my life. Don't platform gift over character. I We've made this mistake many times in the past. And most of you, if you've been a leader for some time, you would have made this mistake too. You, you often, we often think that gift, without realizing it, gift is more important. We would never say that though. We would never say that, but it's demonstrated in our actions and we haven't taken the time to see the character of an individual, but we see their gift and we platform them in a way, give them opportunity in a way to prematurely and we realize very quickly that maybe that wasn't the best time. It wasn't their time yet. Not that they're bad people, but it maybe wasn't their time and we need, we need more time to see that character grow. Proverbs 27 verse 17, I love this verse, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We need this to happen if relationship is gonna grow. We need to sharpen each other. So these are my 10. I could have elaborated a lot more. In fact, I could have done like a 10-week series on each point. But for our 10-year anniversary, I wanted to give you on 10 years down, uh, I wanted to prophesy that we are in the introduction. This is my this is my prophecy over this house, that we are in the introduction of a great story, of a new story for kingdom culture. And although it's been 10 years down, God is not through, God's not finished, and I'm excited for what he's gonna do in the future. Here are some lessons and some confessions for the last 10 years as leading our church community. And if you're listening by on our Supernatural Leadership Podcast, I just know that these things will affect and impact every area of your leadership. And so God bless you, Kingdom Culture. God bless you to all those listening, all those watching today. And uh, I can't wait to see you in person. Hopefully next week, we'll see you soon.